acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge the season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. The Laundronauts is a production of iHeartRadio. This is what we remember. This is what it sounded like. What we couldn't hear, we made up. The rest of it is all true. My clothes aren't dry. Sometimes machine work. Sometimes machine don't. That's just the wrong place. Are you attempting to imply, young lady, that you've never heard of the laundronauts? Is that what you're attempting to imply? I'm not attempting to imply anything. I'm telling you, I've never heard of them. What about you, young man? Surely you've heard of the laundronauts. You're at least nine. Six, sir. Six? You're a veritable redwood. I'm a sequoia, sir. And? No, sir. I've never heard of the laundronauts. Sweet mother of mushrooms. It's a travesty, I tell you, a travesty. Why do you giggle, girl? I think you're just making it up. You have the audacity to challenge the veracity of my mendacity? Maybe. And you, Captain, do you corroborate your compatriots' consternation? I'd like to think so, sir. Where are your parents? They went to the liquor store to play the scratchers. Oh, I see. Then we wait and 
when they return, they shall be reprimanded within an inch of their lives for their dereliction of parental duty in this matter. Surely, they must know that time is of the utmost essence when it comes to the Londronauts. What do you mean? When you turn 12, all memory of the Londronauts goes into hibernation so as to protect it from the approaching atrocities of adolescence. And how old are you, young lady? Five? Eight and a half. Eight and a half? You're the size of a garden gnome. I know. Eight and a half years of fertile ground until... You've gone fallow, child. Do you follow? Excuse me, sir. What? If the memory goes into hibernation when we turn 12, how could our parents possibly remember to tell us about the laundronauts? Aha. Well... You're just a regular Encyclopedia Brown, aren't you? No, sir. My name is... Because when those properly prepped progeny become parents, an incantatory bioalchemical reaction occurs in their brains, and those laundronaut memories come back like a stampede of grubby rumblers, filled with one singular purpose and one singular purpose alone. What singular purpose would that be, sir? To impart the story of the laundronauts upon their children. Are you a laundronaut? <sighs> yes, my dear. To answer your question, I am a laundronaut. I am, in fact, the last of the laundronauts. What happened to the others? Could you tell us about them, sir? Of course I could. I'm the only one who could. Now that all the rest are gone. Farewell, in. Prepare yourselves, Thimblings. Prepare yourselves for the wonder. Prepare yourselves for the weird. Prepare yourselves for everything you have ever, ever feared. Prepare to be raptured. Prepare to be fraught. Prepare yourselves for the Londonauts. On Saturday, April 2nd, 1939, at 7.30 p.m., in the Knob Hill Washeterium, one of the very first Washeteriums in the history of Washeteriums, at the corner of Taylor and Geary Boulevards, San Francisco, California, USA, Earth, Jonica Lafleet, Perry Hennigan, Nicholas Gorski, Ramona Reyes, Benjamin Kingman, and I, Saw Charlie Evans stuff J.D. Belzell into the Jumbotron washer, close the door, turn it on, and run away. None of us intervened. We were mostly just afraid. I know I was. Nick's parents owned the place. Benny's dad was fixing the plumbing in the basement. Perry's parents were in the office above handling some affairs. The rest of our parents had left us to tend to the tumbling clothes while they smoked and drank and gambled at the corner liquor store. Seconds after Charlie Evans ran out the back door, Mr. Kingman appeared from the basement looking for his son. Benny! Benny shrieked and jumped, which caused the rest of us to shriek and jump, which caused everyone else to rush in from every entrance, skyway, byway, and crawl space. Mr. Belzell clicked off the radio and turned to us, peering through Coke bottle glasses, asking through clenched, grinding teeth, Where have you hidden my son? J.D. had been hidden many times before, you see, and not just by Charlie Evans. Nick pointed a trembling finger at the still-rumbling jumbotron. 
Mr. Belzell's face went from red to blue to a lovely purple hue rarely found in nature. He flung open the machine and dove inside. Soapy water sloshed out as he began searching frantically, his stumpy legs kicking in the air, his curses muffled. It was as if a giant metal frog was eating him. He was finally burped back out and spun to us, dripping, red-faced, and huffing. Where is J.D.? Mona strode forward, peered inside the still steaming washer. Her face turned ashen. I moved her aside. Nothing but bubbly water. No, J.D., the others shoved me aside. Their reactions were uniform. <gasps> Shock. Then someone blurted out, Just kidding. <laughs> Telly Evans gave J.D. a royal snuggie. And then they ran off down the street. I might have been the one who blurted that out. You all know J.D. has that condition. And we did. So we were dragged to our respective homes and thrashed and grounded and told to pray for J.D.'s soul and our own to boot. J.D.'s picture was in the paper the next day, local boy missing. It was the same photo they used in St. Xavier's elementary yearbook for the last three years. The one with his stupid taped up eyeglasses. It made me sad. It made Benny mad. A piece of Charlie Evans, a big old chunk of him, something I can chew on and grab a Benny, we need to figure out a plan first. Mona kept us all in line. Relax and focus. Oh, I'm focused. I'm already working on an algorithm of revenge. Turn sideways, Benny. I want to warm my hands and the steam coming out of your ears. Nick. Sorry. <laughs> well, pack me in a suitcase and ship me to Kalamazoo, because Kismet ain't nothing but a state of mind, folks. Hush, Perry. We rarely could decipher what Perry was saying, but it usually made us laugh. So we abided. Don't you first have to have a mind, Perry? Well, most of us did. You still hoping Santa's going to bring you a personality for Christmas, Nick? Uh, says the guy with no middle name. My parents couldn't afford one. Silencio. Nick and Perry suffered from an interminable case of short guy, tall guy syndrome. Both symbiotic and parasitic in nature, the relationship created ample opportunity for snide insults and heartfelt camaraderie. Jonica, you got Charlie? Sure. Jonica's ultra shyness made her almost invisible at times, which gave her the most humor-like of shadowing skills. She quickly sussed that Charlie had been interviewed by the police and released due to lack of evidence. He was soon back on the prowl at St. X, incessantly lurking and lingering nearby in the shadows. We agreed to meet back at the Knob Hill Washeterium that Sunday night. It would be Easter and our parents would be unconscious by sunset. It would be the perfect evening to try and raise J.D. Belzell from the dead. But before we do that, children, before we venture any deeper into this dark and decidedly deceptive diorama, the two of you young thimblings must first be fully oathed for your protection. Oathed, sir? Yes, fully. That sounds painful. The oath you're about to take 
not only bind you forever to every duly oath stitchling before you, it also lodges an incantatory bioalchemical suggestion into your head that will sink and slumber deep in the warm recesses of your brain wrinkles until your 12th birthday, when the oath shall reawaken as a great and ravenous wobbly gobbler. Ready? Uh... You must say it word for word, breath for breath, note for note, as I say it now. A begotten or grotten, so forgotten, the besotten cotton has gotten rotten. Now you. A begotten cotton has gotten rotten. The besotten cotton rotten. That was horrible. An incantation is as much about melody as it is about magic. Now listen. A begotten or grotten so forgotten. The besotten cotton has gotten rotten. A begotten, begotten, a grotten, so forgotten, the besotten cotton has gotten rotten. Marginally less mangled, scarcely sufficient, and reluctantly ratified. From this day forward, you are both stitchlings. Yes! This is a great privilege, children. Stitchlings are allowed to adore and revere laundronauts from near and afar, while also tending to our more menial concerns whenever called upon to do so. Will we ever get to be laundronauts, sir? That depends. On what? Everything! Onward! Comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast. And this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am the ferryman. 
In the shadows of the afterlife, the Ferryman of Souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. All 12 episodes of The Passage are available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. We assembled that Easter Eve in the dark alley behind the washeturium. Perry took one look at the locked back door and announced, I'll be right back. Perry, I... I... But he was already shimmying up the drainpipe, tight-roping the ledge, unlatching the window, and leaping inside. In an almost cartoonishly short amount of time, the door swung open, revealing our intrepid explorer grinning ear to ear. Bosco got no Dagama on me. My parents own the place, you idiot. I have a key. Well, now we have a plan B. We gathered at the Jumbotron, three times the size of the other machines. When it moved, the ground shook and the rafters groaned. And somehow it had gobbled up J.D. Belzell. So we stared at it and waited for it to reveal its secrets. It didn't. I'll go in. Without any further discussion, Perry clambered inside the machine. Anyone tries to close that door, I will chew off your fingers and hang them from my earlobes. Got it? Got Got it. it. It's like what a spaceship might look like, you know? On the inside, something you could put someone in and shoot past the sun. Can't really find the back of this thing. Is that a cold wind coming from... Gangway! Perry scampered out. He was drenched in sweat and wheezy. You okay, Perry? Perry laid on the floor and waved his hand weakly in the air. Mona said... We need to recreate the scene. I'll go. You're far too valuable, Benny. Benny, Benny, you're too valuable. We all nodded, knowing that Mona really meant Benny was far too large and would never fit through the door. Then Mona raised her hand. I'll go. No one was surprised. So will I. (laughs) Everyone was shocked. Almost as shocked as Nick. He never volunteered, neither for work nor play. Yet here he was, wagging his arm in the air as if it had been deboned. Fine, Nick and I will go. Mona had clearly asserted herself as our leader. The choice was hard to argue with, as was Mona. Here's the plan. I synchronize my lucky pocket watch with Perry's lucky stopwatch. Nick and I go in and the machine gets turned on for exactly one minute, then turned off. You open the machine. If Nick and I are still inside, we go home, 
pray for JD Belzell, and take revenge on Charlie Evans. If Nick and I are not inside, you wait 15 more minutes for a signal from us. If no signal comes, you go to the police and tell them everything and take revenge on Charlie Evans when you get out of the loony bin. Got it? Got it. Jonica cracked open the knapsack she'd been lugging around. It was full of brand spanking new scuba gear, wetsuits, flippers, snorkels. It's been in our garage for years. Something about my Uncle Archie and boxes falling off a truck? Uncle Archie got gunned down near the wharf a month ago, so I figure it's not going to be any trouble. We're always a little reluctant to offer Jonica our condolences for the many deaths in her family. There was just so many. Nick went in the machine first. We could hear his rubbery knees knocking together as he slithered inside. Mona took a little longer to follow. She finally joined Nick, and they squeezed together awkwardly. They gave us the thumbs up and slipped on their snorkel masks. I closed the door. I noticed Nick scoot closer to Mona when Benny turned on the jumbotron. The machine leapt to life with a shudder, a thump, and a long, painful groan. I thought I saw Mona clutch Nick's arm, but it was hard to tell through the foggy glass. Then they were lost in the foam. There was a flash from inside the machine. It was so bright, we were all momentarily blinded. Which was the same moment two policemen decided to storm inside. Flashlights blazing, guns drawn, the shorter of the two screaming. Freeze! This is the police! If you move, you will get snot! None of us moved, but the taller officer glanced at his partner. You will get snot? What? You said snot! You know what I mean. They don't! A second flash from the machine. Scatter, I shouted. Hey! And we did. It was like being melted into some sort of broth. Said Nick later upon his return. Squeezed through a tube, then breathed back to foam, fleshy life. Mona only remembered. That tug, the first terrifying tug, not being able to stop it. They both agreed on the landing. Like, like being, being dropped, dropped into, into the, the soft pages, pages of, of a fairy tale. Socks, 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 socks. Mountains and valleys and rivers and lakes and forests of socks. Socks falling from the sky, falling along with Nick and Mona from an invisible keyhole in the sky, down through the open mouth at the top of a granite mountain, into a swirling, whirling, tumbling whirlpool of socks upon socks upon socks. As they plummeted, they could see a vein-like staircase chiseled into the inside walls of the mountain, winding its way back to the top. I'm getting claustrophobic! Mona spied daylight through an approaching crevice. Socks was filling out of it like a wound. Swim towards that hole, Nick! Nick caught the lip of the crevice as he rushed by it, then caught Mona. They pulled themselves through and tumbled out onto the slope outside. Socks continued to gush out of the crevice, streaming down the mountainside like an endless rivulet of hosiery. A, a socculet? What was that? I don't know. We have to keep moving, Nick. We only have 15 minutes. They tore off their masks and flippers and wetsuits and stuffed them into their backpacks. They scrambled and tumbled down the succulent to more level ground, where they paused again to refill their aching lungs. Looking back up the slope, 
They could see that their crevice was just one of hundreds of openings in the side of the mountain, a succulent flowing from each across an expansive rainbow-striped plain. They could see the edge of an ominous forest looming. Follow me, Nick. Mona dashed toward a copse of bushes surrounding a tall, flowering tree. Nick did his best to keep up, but Mona was almost flying. The ground is like a trampoline, Nick. Do you feel it? Yeah, and the light. It's not coming from the sky. Look, it's coming from below our feet. They reached the cops <gasps> and pulled up short at what they saw. Are those coins growing from that tree? Look at this bush, Nick. Th- those are earrings. Mona plucked an earring and tried it on. Nick knelt and ran his fingers through the earth. Up close, he could see the soil consisted of pieces of things compressed together. Pieces of keys, watches, spoons, coins, socks. Give me your lucky pen, Nick. What? Your lucky pen. Give it to me. Why? I'm going to do an experiment. Oh, an experiment with something else. This is my brother Bobby's pen, Mona. You know that. He gave it to me the day he fell off the Golden Gate. Mona gazed into Nick's blue eyes. She battered her baby browns once, twice. Your lucky pen has your big brother Bobby's inscription on it, Nick. Just like my lucky pocket watch has from my Auntia Bonita, so we won't lose them, okay? <sighs> okay. When it came to the wishes of Queen Ramona of Butchertown, Sir Nicholas the Jelly Spined rarely stood a chance. Mona took his pen and immediately buried it in the dirt. Uh, are you out of your mind? Mona quieted him with a finger and buried her pocket watch next to his pen. Nick was about to protest again when... Look! The pen and pocket watch had grown into two full-blown bushes. Bushes blossoming with tiny, identical pens and pocket watches. Mona plucked a pen. Nick plucked a watch. The pen was fat and orange like a carrot. It has your inscription, Nick. And and I think it has a pulse. The pocket watch was incandescent in Nick's hand. A lavender mist clung to its plum-colored skin. I think this watch is purring. Mona squeezed the pen and orange ink sprayed into the air. Air like a fountain. The liquid danced and pooled on the ground and... Excuse me, sir. What? What is it? Can't you see I'm imparting a story? What happened to the pen, sir? The pen? What pen? The one that grew from the ground in Sockland, sir. The carrot with a pulse? Oh, yes. What about it? I'm a collector of antique pens, sir, and an aspiring scrivener. That's very sad. What happened to it, sir? It died. The pen? Died? After many years of loyal service, it finally expired, as we all do, but not before it transcribed all of the written London articles. A life well written, yes, especially for a pen. A wonderful life for a pen, sir. How does a pen die? Heroically! Onward! Comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. 
We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the Ferryman of Souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. All 12 episodes of The Passage are available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Nick and Mona each plucked an extra pen and watch and began spraying ink everywhere. And as the ink sank back into the ground, sprouting even more bushes and pens and watches, the children's hands brushed together. Electricity shot through them. They pulled away. Did you feel that? Yes. I wonder what would happen if we buried ourselves. Together? Mona held out her hand to him. Nick took it. This time the electricity wasn't quite so shocking. It was, as a matter of fact, quite tolerable. The electricity flowed into their toes, into the ground beneath their toes. The ground began to shake, began to rock, roll. Music wafted down like snow, and a voice rose up to it like a new field of cotton. It's sometimes rotten to be forgotten, but getting lost is just a frost. Let it thaw, let it melt. 
pulled away. What was that sound? What was that song? I don't know. We have to go, Nick. Look at your watch. Both of their newly plucked, plum-like timepieces were still ticking away real-world seconds, still synchronized to Perry's lucky stopwatch in San Francisco. We've only been here ten minutes? It feels like it's been a week. They sprinted up the slope, dodging the socks tumbling down at them. Just as they reached the opening in the mountain, something very large and very angry crashed through the ominous forest below. It was like the trees knelt down and bowed. What is that? Go, go, go! Mona shoved him through the gushing socks and stole a glance back. A tsunami of shadow was oozing across the rainbow-striped plain. The wave rose higher and spread wider as it grew closer to the mountain. Something shimmered above the ooze, a glowing globe leading the wave of shadow like a disembodied head. Mona tore herself from the horrific sight and followed Nick into the tumbling white water of down. By the time they managed to careen through the suck current, climb up the spiral staircase, and clamber out onto the lip of the mountain, their lungs were burning, their muscles were screaming, the black shadow was oozing up the side of the mountain, and the socks continued to cascade on them from the invisible keyhole now just 30 feet above them. How are we supposed to reach that? I don't know. How are we supposed to signal them? I, I don't know. What are we going to do, Mona? Stop asking questions I can't answer, Nick. And then it came to her. I still have that pen you plucked? Yes, in my jacket. Why? Mona slipped out her pen. She coiled into a pitcher's wind-up and fired it straight up into the air. The pen rose, hung for a moment, then was inhaled into the keyhole's invisible maw, vanishing with a flash of thunderous... Now hold on to my hand, Nick. Okay. The wave of darkness was upon them. It rose high above them, high above the mountain. It wasn't a singular thing at all, but tens of thousands of black socks moving as one. Giant hand of shadow opening. What do we do? Pray? Closing like a fist. Nick and Mona tried to pull free, tried to scream. Socks engulfed them. The light dwindled. They heard laughter, saw the glowing globe hovering above them. A man was lying face down inside, watching them through the transparent floor. He was an elderly man with thick silver whiskers and long gray hair. He was wearing glasses. Glasses with stupid tape on the frame. His asthmatic laughter grew to a rattling roar, pressing Nick and Mona together in an embrace. It's gonna be okay. Are you sure? Nick wasn't. So he kissed her. And the darkness swallowed them whole. When a bullwhip of light split open the black hand, latching onto the pen and Nick's jacket, tugging the children out of the darkness, past the dropping socks, past the glowing glow, past the now no longer laughing man, whipping them up into the keyhole in the sky. Back at the Washeteria, we'd been playing hide-and-seek with officers Tweedledum and Tweedledee. I managed to stay hidden long enough to see another flash from inside the jungle. 
I leaped out and opened the door. An orange pen was floating inside. I grabbed it, and as I did, orange ink sprayed out of the pen into the bubbly water. The liquid coagulated into a jelly-like substance. It began to bubble and hiss and shake. I felt a cold wind rushing at me. You, by the jumbo, breathe. I obeyed, leaving the door open. Engineer, turn. I obeyed and saw that the others had been corralled near the front door by the taller officer. What is that in your hand? I felt the heat of another flash on the back of my neck. I ducked. Nick and Mona shot out of the machine like two soapy cannonballs and slammed into the two officers, sending them flying in every conceivable direction. Run! I shouted and pushed a dazed Mona out the door. The others lifted Nick and were right behind me. We ran as hard as we could up Geary Boulevard until Perry ducked into an alley. We followed, gasping for breath. What happened to Nick and Mona? Were they okay, sir? They were different, taller. Their voices were deeper. They walked with a new confidence. It was as if they had skipped a year or left one behind. Apparently the same had happened to J.D. by a hundredfold. After Nick and Mona recounted their adventure, the group's sentiment became immediately clear. No one wanted to go back. Then someone blurted out, Well, what if you'd been shoved into that machine? I looked around for the source of the outburst. Everyone was staring at me. So I continued. Or you, or you, or me. Charlie Evans is the culprit here, and so are we. We had the chance to do something when it mattered and we failed. Now we need to make it right. I say we form an allegiance bent on one mission. Find J.D. Belzell, beg for his forgiveness, and bring him back home safely. Now who's with me? I. To my amazement, everyone cheered and shook their fists in the air. I shouted, To the laundromats! And they shouted back, To the laundromats! As if it had always been our name and... You must stay away from there. You must. I am not paid to sit on babies. <laughs> Can you hear more, sir? Yes, please. Vow to return, children. On your honor as newly oathed stitchlings. That is fattest pen I've ever seen. It is rather plump, isn't it? Obese carrot, pregnant yam. Oh, it has a nice inscription on back. Fancy. What's that say? Never be afraid to soar, little bird. Love, Bobby. Family heirloom? You could say that. The Laundronauts, a potentially untrue tale based on actual events. Conceived, written, and directed by Colin McKenzie Mitchell. Original music, sound design, and editing by Dave McKeever. Produced by Monica Miklas and Dave McKeever. 
Script supervision and editorial assistance by Christina Bryan. Casting by Mary Claire Sweeters. Executive producers John Cameron Mitchell, Ed Asner, and Colin McKenzie Mitchell. Starring in order of appearance, Isaac Robinson Smith as the man, Mr. Kingman, and Officer Oosterhaus. Alison Fraser as the woman and Madame Russia. Ed Asner as the narrator. Evan Toke as the sister. Max Mitchell as the brother. London Johnson as Benny. Lily Resto as Mona. Nirvan Paul as Nick. Trevor Bernardino as Perry. Trent Mills as Mr. Belzell and Officer Owsley. Bluebell Saracino as Jonica. John Cameron Mitchell as Absentia. The Laundronaut is a collaboration between iHeartMedia and Little Brother Sam Productions. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Laundronauts is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tail. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge this season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale, extend your spine, remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council.